if you're buying, renovating and selling, you absolutely must be willing to hold the project if the market has significantly changed. It's our plan B because you only make a loss when you sell the property. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, everyone, and that time of the week again. It's Thursday, and today I'm going to be talking about interest rates. So, I know if you listen to the media, it's quite devastating, but like most things, it depends how you look at it. And so what I wanted to do was to bring some perspective to this and some tips on how you can continue on, but doing so responsibly. It's actually like I've been thinking about because it's been so long since we had an interest rate rise, I was sort of thinking when interest rates started to go up, it would be like everything would just stop in terms of the market because it's such a shock after not having had an interest rate rise for so long. So I've actually been really surprised how little impact it's had so far. So especially given that we've got, because of the war in Ukraine, we've got so much such an increase in petrol, in food, in lettuces. So personally, I've been really surprised. But what I wanted to do firstly is to actually look back a few years to the history of interest rates, let's say for the last 40 or 50 years. So I thought it would be a good place to start to look at the history of interest rates. And you can see here, this goes back to 1970. So it goes back 50 years. Actually, I've chopped off the last little bit of it. Anyhow, it goes back to 50 years. And so you can see in the 70s and the 80s, the interest rates were all over the place. Yes, so interest rates were all over the place and they were very high lots of times through that decade. And it seemed to be every time Stephen and I decided to do something, they were high. So we bought our first home together in 1985 and we were so proud of ourselves because we got an interest rate cap of 13%, which seems absolutely hilarious now, but that was the environment we lived in. We also did a project not that long after that, probably a year or two after that. So it was a small development and it went not totally pear-shaped, but it did did go pear-shaped because the interest rates went up again and the market dropped and we couldn't get our price for them. Now, I've told this story before how I thought we had to sell them and in hindsight that was the most ridiculous thing to do. We can actually make loss, but we really didn't make money. But then what I know now, then that would have been the last thing I would have done. But anyhow, you learn. And thankfully, I've had at least two occasions to test that theory again. And so, yes, I did get it wrong back then. But yeah, I got a lot of learning out of that. And it has put us in good stead moving forward. Now, I feel certain that the market is going to really cool off. 
I don't really know. Nobody really knows. And to be honest with you, these days, I don't think there's anyone that does know. But I've certainly noticed that prices haven't dropped, but they have cooled. And often properties are getting a decent price, but they're having the agents are having to work much harder, which I don't think is such a bad thing. We were looking at a property in Newtown. I was looking at a warehouse conversion and it was pretty raw. And the reason I was interested in it is because I felt that it had a lot of profit in it. And it had a 110 square metre one room. The whole thing was 300 square metres, but the main kitchen living room was 110 square metres. So there was lots of opportunities to add value there. And the guide was 1.6 million. There was a renovated property in, well, slightly renovated, wasn't fully renovated, but the floors were polished and a few things like that. So it looked quite finished as opposed to one we were looking at quite raw. And that sold for just over 2 million. So I was thinking I probably need to budget around 2 million, even though the guide is 1.6. And it went way over that. So it went for 2.2 million. So In some areas, the market has cooled, but not everywhere. So needless to say, I'd already decided it wasn't an option because of the fact that the property needed to be held for quite a length of time to get common areas up to scratch and so on. But even at 2.2 million, I believe that there was still lots of profit in that. Anyhow, so we want to talk about how you continue to function as a renovator, even with the rising interest rates and the drop in, well, the potential drop in market prices. And the first thing I want to say is I don't think our mode of operating is that much different to how we operate usually. As if you're planning to flip, you need to have really robust risk management strategies because this is what the market does. It goes up and down. It's just that we know that there's a significant factor that is going to cause it to cool off that we're actually even talking about it. So I mentioned that I've had a few opportunities to test that my strategies since that episode in the mid-80s. And one of them was after the Royal Commission. So that was in 2019, I think. And so at the time, we had three projects on the go and they all were really ready to go to market pretty much when at the time of property prices going down. And property prices went down in a matter of months, like severely plummeted in a matter of months, particularly in Sydney. So we had two projects in Sydney. One was one that we did with David, our son, Avocado Smash, and the other one was a flip that I did with some Wonder Women, and they were both ready to go to sale. Had we taken them to market, one of them we did actually take to market to test the market, and we would have barely covered our purchase price. So that's how much that impacted the Royal Commission. So I think we paid about $1.2 million for it. And when we went to market after we'd renovated, because the prices had nosedived, we could have got about $1.2 million. So that was really not going to work. And so with Bondi, we just decided we're not even going to go to market. We're going to hold on to it, which is number one risk management strategy if you're buying, renovating and selling. You 
absolutely must be willing to hold the project if the market has significantly changed. It's our plan B because you only make a loss when you sell the property. So provided that your feasibility is based on really sound principles and often in quite a hot market people do tend to lose all reason and pay premium prices for property and then sort of get stuck. I always liken it to the offside rule in soccer. You don't ever want to get in front of the ball and sometimes if you get excited about how the market's going up and think it's never going to stop, you can actually end up on the other side of the ball. However, so but provided that your feasibility is based on sound principles, then you just need to hold it until the market recovers. And you can see here that presumably interest rates followed the market or market followed the interest rates, they do eventually come down. So that's not such a huge issue. The main thing is to be able to cover costs and that's where Airbnb comes in. I find that Airbnb is a much better plan B than long-term rent for a few reasons. Firstly, so when you've just finished a project, You want to, it's your baby, you don't want to hand it over to some tenants to, like, make it grubby. But if you list it as a premium property on Airbnb, you're able to go in and see that every day if you want to. You can find a reason to go in. But certainly between guests, you get to check it. So you have much more control over the project and you can maintain the quality of it much better. The other thing is that you... You're able to, if you're still wanting it to show, you want to keep it off market, and you can do that. You can just time them in between guests. The other thing is, you get a much higher rate of return. And because it's fully renovated and it's in premium condition, you get a much better rate, even an Airbnb rate. So, as a plan B, I think Airbnb trumps anything else. Like, whenever we've had to consider this. Fortunately, we've really only had to take action once in 30 years. I don't think that's too bad. But whenever we've considered it, we've thought, well, one, we can move into it ourselves and rent out our house if we didn't want to hand over our new newly renovated property. The second one is to long-term rent, but obviously then there is the short-term rental market. And if you're in an area where you're not able to do short-term rental, you can do 90 days, like three months. So it's not completely off the board, but short-term rental is considered less than three months. So you just have your minimum listing. And we've actually had to do that at times because we've been in apartment buildings that don't allow short-term rental. You just have your minimum listing at 90 days. So the other thing is, so I've talked about the decent feasibility, but the next thing is making sure that you have a decent buffer. Now, by I mean a cash buffer, and I think that this is essential whatever you do. So I've often talked about the fact that we have a credit facility which is secured against the property set up all the time for our renos. That also serves as a buffer, so a credit buffer, so that if we need money, something, you know, say our holding costs go longer or whatever, 
that's there and we're able to access it. So you might have a cash buffer. It doesn't really matter what you do. Other people call it an emergency fund, but have something there so that you're never put in the position where you have to sell something because that is the worst and that's you lose complete control if that becomes the case. So making sure that you've got that is essential. Oh, so the other thing I wanted to mention is that when you are renovating to sell, if you can own the styling furniture, that gives you more flexibility in terms of deriving an income from it through short-term rental. Like you can't rent it on short-term rental with the styling company's furniture. So if you're able to buy your own furniture, which we often do, then that just gives you a whole lot more flexibility and it gives you a plan B. And certainly a lot of our renovators, our women, have done that. Do I know Mary Newland? Often the they've made more off Airbnb than they've made in profit in the project. Then the next thing I want to talk about is strategy. So, like, I guess it begs the question, if the prices are cooling off, do you continue to buy, renovate and sell? And so I would say that's a lot about your level of experience and also your risk appetite. Anyone going into this strategy has to be aware that it's higher on the risk in uh, profile. And so what you might want to think about doing if you don't have the appetite for it is to go into a strategy that has less risk in terms of market risk. Okay, so there's all sorts of risks that relate to property. But what we're talking about at the moment is market risk. And so like we're settling on the project that we bought with our third daughter and her husband in Ichuka on next Monday. And the thing I think about that is, so that's a microdevelopment strategy. It's where we bought a house and we will sell, renovate and sell the house off and then hold the land and build to hold. So we'll end up with two investment properties. But because we're going to be producing three properties out of one, we're basically spreading the risk over three properties. So it's in effect, it's a type of risk management strategy. Of course, because we're talking about subdivision, it does bring in other risks, but they're risks that we know that we can manage. And so I think that's quite a good way of moving forward for us in this scenario. So it really is around how do you feel about it yourself? And if you're not okay with it, then find another strategy that you can employ until things stabilise and then you can go back to that. And obviously, if you're renovating for cash flow, you're going to want to switch to another cash flow strategy, but one that's lower risk so that you're able to keep your income up. The other thing I want to talk about is mindset. So, It's like I was saying at the beginning of this session that when we bought our first home, we thought getting a 13% interest rate was amazing and we were so happy with it. Now we're looking at 7% interest rates and it's like devastating. So it is all about perspective. And the other thing about something, a situation like this happening is you want to be looking for the opportunities because there will be a lot of people in the market that are driven by fear. And what that means is there's opportunities for you, okay, so to get properties that you might not be able to get otherwise, to get them at a good price. And so 
Yeah, so really keeping your eyes and ears open, especially for properties that aren't being well marketed. Like we always laugh about the fact that we follow around bad agents because we know where the bargains are. That's where the bargains are. So, yeah, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, I think is the message around that. So really think about what opportunities you can take advantage of in this market. Okay, so I think I've covered off all my points. While I'm here, any tips on storing furniture when not in use? Okay, so basically what I do is sell the big pieces of furniture and just keep a stock of things like artwork. So usually if you sell the furniture, you can recover a reasonable amount of what you, we generally, for things that we buy new, we sell them for 70% of what we paid for them and then just keep a stock of artwork and the nicky-nacky stuff that you need to have a lot of because that's not that hard to store and so that's how I would manage that. The other thing you can do is use like student rental for basic stuff like beds and sofas and that sort of thing. Sometimes they're not that exciting, so you have to do well to get a something that's really good that you can use in your styling. But, yeah, well, that's about it for me for today. So on that note, I'm going to bid you goodbye. So thank you. If you want to meet up with a group of savvy renovating I shouldn't say it's all women because it's not, but savvy renovators, I'll say. Come over and join She Renovates. It's completely it's free Facebook group and it is growing at the rate of knots. We hit a thousand members just recently and now it seems to have picked up momentum. And so they are all savvy renovating women and men that are working their little hearts out to live a better life through renovating. Join if you're not already a member, and then ask, comment, and do whatever you would like to do in order to further your renovation journey. And that's it for me today. So I'll see you next week. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com. 